0: España 82, one day at a time, day 15, so many days, so many football games, it's starting to get really interesting in the second phase, I don't know why I'm saying that, why I'm saying it's starting to get interesting, I'm just, I'm tiring here Mick Foley. how are you?
1: I'm, I'm all right, today's a gritty day. Gritty. Gritty football day, a gritty early 80s football day, which is a very, very gritty day.
0: Uh, Mick, before I introduce anyone else, if I quote the Daily Mirror from uh, the following day, both teams were equally guilty and should be downright ashamed of themselves. That's a paragraph of a match report. Which game do you think he was referring to? Uh,
1: I'm going to say... hmm, I'm going to say England-West Germany because that was an absolute pig of a match.
0: No, no, no. Italy-Argentina. I think he finishes the article with, but if winning the World Cup is dependent on a match of this nature, then they can keep it
1: for me. Oof. Ah. Huh? Who was this purist yeah. yeah. this Dolphy. Dolphy <laughs> out of curiosity? No, Who was this uh, purist?
0: Eamon and Dolphy. Aim Dolphy had that. No, the gentleman was named Derek Wallace. Yeah, He's alive, Wallace. Uh, Brought to you from Barcelona. Yes. Clearly, it's,
2: uh, clearly, uh, clearly it's a disgruntled <laughs> Scot after their exit <laughs> in the first What's round.
0: What happened to football? Our guest, uh, special guest today, is going to be introduced in a second, but you've heard Kieran. Hi, Ciaran. Hola, Rob. Billy Joe Patton. how are you?
3: Very good. Uh, thanks, Rob. Uh, Good to be yeah. back. The original group of death <laughs> and uh, England-West Germany game sure show. what is there anything more World Cup than that?
0: It had the potential to uh, mesmerise there so many days having this World Cup. I don't know if it did that, but it certainly did entertain. On the line, broadcaster, journalist, enthusiasts. who knows the 1982 World Cup pretty much like Roy Keane, actually, who was talking about it the last day as his favourite World Cup. I think it's Matt Cooper's favourite World Cup as well. Matt, you're very welcome along. Thank you very much for having me along. Yeah. Your memories of 82, your first World Cup, I'm told.
4: It was not my first World Cup. I'm way older than that. <laughs> we were being generous there, Matt. We were General. being generous. I mean, who was you, going you to be yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's a
0: no, lot I of couldn't. things that aren't factually correct in this podcast. <laughs> <though>.
4: <laughs> no, no, it was my third World Cup. I was 15 years old. I was just finished fifth year in school going into leaving CERT. No, no transition year in those days. And I had the memories of 74 when Scotland played and. You used to be able to collect these coins uh, in the pre-match build-up that Esso had in the petrol stations. We didn't have a car, but my dad's best friend did. So he used to collect these uh, coins and stamps for me to put together. And that was one of the ways I fell in love with football back in 74. Then there was a 78 World Cup, which, of course, I remember very well. Also supported Holland in both the finals, losing both times. And then in 82, which was a magical tournament. And... Remember, those were the days as well when you're all lads from outside of Dublin as well. Down in Cork, we had just two channels. It was Mm. just, I got the two channels a couple of years earlier. We still had a black and white television at home. We still didn't have colour for this World Cup. Or maybe we just about got it. I don't think so. And uh, it was just one of those magical World Cups. that had just so many great games up to today that you're marking. And of course, for the other matches all the way up as far as the final.
0: Funny, Kieran. I actually haven't thought about that. Like, I mean, it's a common point that we never considered. We're watching these games again in, in the glorious colour, but a lot of people watch this World Cup in black and white.
2: I was going to ask Matt, like, what, what was it like in Technicolor seeing Claudio Gentile? Absolutely. I'm it's it's just short of execution, isn't it? <laughs>
4: Yeah, I am I mean, I'm allowed to say that I actually loved it at the time. That <laughs> there, was, there was something about the way the Italians went about their business that the rootlessness of it that was just in its own way glorious. And no matter how much you loved, for example, Brazil and the way that they played, with the exception of Serginho at centre forward blowing it all, there was just something so clinical about the way the Italians and I think even from the Argentinian game that we're talking about today, although it was brutal, there was also a fantastic skill on display. And what also surprised me a little bit watching back in it and the way that we talk now about the way that the tempo of football has increased in the 21st century with the fitness of players, there were a lot of players playing at speed in this Italy-Argentina game and progressing the ball up the pitch very, very quickly. It wasn't sort of the tippy-tappy stuff that often files an awful lot of games in the 80s Italy two Argentina
1: one when you watched the game back Matt the Italy Argentina game did it did it kind of chime the way you would recall it you would have recalled it like or, or was a about yeah. that was uh, it did but it, it, it rank yeah. two.
4: But I thought it the great thing when you look back at games like this many years later is the names of the players that you remember. You sort of always remember a few players out of a team like that. And obviously you remember Rossi for the goals. You remember Tardelli, the celebration of the winning goal in the final. Um, but then Dino Zoff in goal it suddenly came back. Oh, yeah, he was the old fellow in goal. And yet he was actually really, really solid goalkeeper. Shirea as a sweeper. I know they were playing two centre-halves, but Shirea used to drop behind the other three on a regular basis. And Shirea was such a fantastic footballer. Um, Cabrini left back was absolutely terrific. And as we see in the goal in this game as well, fantastic coming forward as well. And then I forgot about guys like Conti, you know, sort of playing on the right wing, who was actually an absolutely terrific footballer as well. Mm. And even the subs who came in, like Altobelli coming in, who played his part throughout the tournament as well. I mean, that Italian side had serious footballers in
2: every position. They were brilliant. And they tried to play football.
0: Did yeah, they did, Caron. You're right. They did like and, and they shocked Billy Joe, I'll bring you in on this. Minotti said before the game, you know, they are the world's best team in their own half. But outside of that, not so sure. He was surprised by the way they went about this game.
3: i uh, yeah, it, it's obvious that from us and I think it's it's to Matt's point as well. The tempo of the game was much quicker than maybe you'd expected. And players that, you know, Conte was driving forward, you know, he was high up the field at all times. Look, my personal favourite, as we mentioned the last day, is and, you know, the way he, you know, so graceful, you know, he yeah. glided past players, just, you know, his passing was always progressive. He was always putting fella five or six yards out in front and they were really, really dangerous uh, on the counter-attack uh, in that regard as well. And I think as well, I think sometimes we look at it and we think football nowadays is you- you see the quality of the players, but like some of the quality of the shooting from Tardelli, you know, when I mentioned the game against Cameroon, which was a you know crappy game, you know, he he was the only one that had any sort of quality in his shooting. And you saw that again, again, to, again today, but just maybe the points about the brutality of it. The thing yeah. that stood out to me is Maradona was brutalized and then every time there was no petulance, he automatically took the the the, uh, the 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 violence the violence put his hand up and let them lift him off the ground and uh, that was kind of honorable or a yeah, complete lack of petulance anyway and i admired that the messiah the messiah turned the other cheek <laughs> i I think he was just used to
4: it at that stage and he knew he wasn't going to get protection this had been happening to him in club football at the time international football he just got on with it but in fairness, you know, the Argentinians were no saints. Kempes was booked in this game for a foul that in the modern day, he'd have been straight off the pitch. I mean, hacking down from behind. And you sort of look at it go, okay, that maybe it was a guy who wasn't playing at the peak that he played at in 78, a bit of frustration. But Jesus, there was some of the stuff going in from the Argentinians as well. But on the other hand, they could play football. And, you know, for all the concentration on the ability of Maradona, the one player who stood out for me, was Ardiles in midfield and Ardiles was a great story at the time because having had to leave Tottenham to go to Paris Saint-Germain I think it was on loan when the Falklands happened and back then playing for Argentina but what I'd forgotten about and I suppose it maybe explains the sort of almost the near recklessness that which he played with Tottenham in the 90s when he was manager when he used to play the famous five up front you know he was all about going forward it was all every pass I think he played in the game, watching it was forward, and they weren't short passes either. He was always looking to make penetrating, progressive passes, which is mean, you would love a midfielder like Ardiles to have in your team today. In this in, in the twenty-first century. It's it's
1: interesting as well. Like I mean, throughout the tournament, throughout the first phase, anyway, Kieran, uh, we were making the point like that. This is a different Italy, you know. That this is. Uh, this is a beers out of Italy. This isn't necessarily old school Catanaccio. They're trying to evolve. He wants to play a more rounded style of football. But like you know, he says it himself after the game, they they went back to a, a fair old Dollop of here, like they had man markers, they found their they found their assassin and put him on and put him on Maradona. And they played on the counter, and uh, fair enough. Minotti does make the point that, that he was he was surprised that they attacked so much, which makes me wonder. It's, which which makes me wonder is anybody who's actually in the nineteen eighty two World Cup watching the nineteen eighty two World Cup? <laughs> That's, that, the English were the same about the West Germans. but we we'll come to that later on, but like you know, what do you reckon? Like we've been as I said, we've been banging on about a different Italy. Was this a kind of a step back?
2: To one step back to take two steps forward i think he just chucked it all in the blender i think i'd say the player said to him let's play to everybody's strength so we've talked about the attacking threat he said right you guys play total football but we're chucking Caternaccio into the blender today and i mean it wasn't just gentile there, there's some absolutely reckless challenges in this game like this would be a game that would be called off in the modern age for too few players to complete the match <laughs> <laughs> this is so more violence than Spain, Northern Ireland which is yeah, saying is. something mm. Mm. Uh,
3: uh, a, a personal favourite of mine in terms of the, from the violence maybe, and I'll just comment on that first Was I, I think Tarantina, Tarantini left both feet from about 6 or 7 yards in the left back position at one stage that's when, when Rossi flew, got yellow carded yeah. of the ball and legs and everything I, I, if, he'd, if he'd really connected with somebody he would have chopped somebody in half never mind but um, just to point of the way Italy were playing, I, I think a lot of what what happens maybe in the in the next rounds for or the next games for Italy is that it's as you say, Kieran, it's 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 in the blender and it's coming together. And I think if Graziani or Rossi had played better in any of the games to this stage, you would have seen. You know, the results, you've seen the ball hit in the back of the net more often because, you know, they're playing well at the back. Their midfielders are getting more involved. We've mentioned Tardelli and Cabrini and Conti. all those people is getting involved. And even, even in this game today, Rossi's not sharp. Like Rossi had a couple of opportunities that he butchered, butchered himself. So I, I think it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's, as much to do with them just gradually improving. And once those forward players c- click in, well, then that's what you have.
4: Just two things there to remind me. Tarantini, uh, the left back for um, Argentina. I think he played with Birmingham, didn't he, after Mm -hmm. the seventy-eight World Cup? And, I mean, what a place for him to pitch up. But he was brilliant, I thought, in this game as well, marauding forward from left back, absolutely. But the other thing I loved about Gentile, uh, Gentile was Libyan. You know, this is what everyone actually, he was born in Tripoli. And he looks like he could have been an assassin for Gaddafi you know he (laughs) just has
2: that look about him which actually Uh, was his nickname apparently in juventus which (laughs) his nickname was gaddafi in the politically correct time (laughs) that it was
0: yeah, he's he's like I mean he gets his yellow card in this one 43 minutes, but my god he had to work hard for it. Uh five yellow cards, one red card. But like I mean, we don't want to just talk about that because there's a couple well, there's two great goals, one kind of odd goal make as well in the free kick for Argentina. But let's like that first goal, we'll get Billy Joe in on it in a in a second where he can jump back from his microphone and get all excited about it. But it was a beautiful move from Italy, and it opens up a game that is so delicately poised at that point, like.
1: So Rocky. Actually starts it, gets the Conte Tardelli and they're, they're rolling. They really are rolling. And Antonioni rolls it back into Tardelli's path on the left of the box. And he just smashes it straight and through right across Fial into the far corner from the left side of the box. And you can almost feel the the weight lifting off them. Because, you know, remember, this is Italy at war with their media. The public at home don't like the team. Um, they're getting jipped at their training ground from their own fans and from Span- Spanish people turning up. The vibes are horrendous. Um, but this goal is just a—it's a pure piece of class, and it does. It's that perfect. It's that perfect blend of stern defence, counter attack, beautiful flowing football, and Tardelli coming from midfield. Tardelli has a, a terrific game in this. Actually, he's getting better and better as the tournament goes on. I think.
4: Was there ever a, a more emotional player than Tardelli in a way that he just yes. is, he just wears it so much on his face and you just see yes. the joy and satisfaction when he, I mean, everyone thinks obviously of the World Cup final and that incredible celebration. He wasn't far off at of today in this one.
1: It was a dress rehearsal, wasn't it? And of yeah, course, yeah. we see all. And of course, we see all that emotion as uh, the Republic of Ireland assistant manager some years later again. You know, uh, <laughs> it's just pouring <laughs> out of me. But uh, yeah, it was. You know, he and he has a terrific game because he it was going to be him or Gentile that was going to be Mark and Maradona. Um, but but Berzot didn't want to move him back. See, this this is what I'm talking about, right? So, like, Italy thought that Maradona would be playing in midfield. Any fool who watched the previous two games would say he's not playing in midfield anymore. He's, he's playing up front and Kempes is the one that's coming back. But like they decided they wouldn't move Tardelli because if they did move him, they would have a hole in midfield and it would also upset them going forward, which speaks to the idea of Berzak being conscious of their attacking aspect as well. It's not all defence.
3: Yeah, just on that first goal, I, I, I always have to get this reference in. Maradona's idol was a, a player called Ricardo Bocchini, that played for Internacional in in, in Argentina. He was a brilliant player, and on on Maradona's request, he actually made the '86 World Cup squad and came on in one of those games. I don't think he's in this Argentinian '82 squad, and his whole thing was La Pausa, the pause before you play the pass, so that it's weighted perfectly. Oh, and he's stepping the away from and and the
2: microphone. And,
3: <laughs> and, and, and I think that first goal for Italy is a prime example of that, because Antonioni just takes his time, plays it out in front, and Tardelli can stride onto it and hit it first time. And that's, that's what that is all about. He doesn't rush it. He waits, takes his time it's just that's fantastic
0: But Joe I just want to ask you about that as well it, Tardelli doesn't touch the ball that's no. like so he has a chance to touch it but he doesn't because he sees it all in, in, in unfolding doesn't he
3: and that's the quality of the pass as well and look it, the pass is that good that it's in stride it's t- time to absolute perfection you know I suppose the ultimate pass in that situation the ultimate World Cup goal is the you know Carlos Alberto one Pele plays the pass in mm. 1970 and he comes onto it and absolutely smacks it with his right foot but this is not as spectacular as that but again the ball is moving from the right hand side of the pitch all the way across to the left Antonioni gets it surveys what's, what's there knows what's coming off the shoulder and plays and sometimes whatever it was an 8-9 yard pass can be as as brilliant as a, a raking ball across the field and, and and Tardelli shooting is outstanding that's something I wasn't expecting from going back watching all, all these yeah. off left and right on right boot it's absolutely outstanding he's, he's crystal clear in his strike each time
4: and if I remember rightly, he was regarded as a defensive midfielder, wasn't he? I mean, that was the reputation that he had as a tough tackling. But he he got forward like a number eight in the way that he actually was able to take the ball forward and
3: strike it. It's, Matt, it's like your point as well on Arz- Ardiles. We, I think we watch football now and you think everyone's a specialist. You know, you're either a defensive midfielder, you're a attacking midfielder, you come off the left or you come off the right. But like Ardiles, Tardelli, all these, they could do everything. They could defend when they needed to. They could carry the ball forward if they had to dribble it forward. They could get on the edge of the box and hit a shot. To me, that's, I think that's to me is a great qualities. We won't get into it today, but you look at the four midfielders that play for Brazil and they can all do a bit of everything as well. Well, definitely three of them can. So it's, I think that's, if you're looking back at the, the qualities of footballers of that time, maybe they were better all round players.
0: The 10 minutes in between the, the goals for Italy, make are the, the most important 10 minutes of the whole World Cup for Argentina. And, like, they, they have a chance. They don't get it. But, like, it, I'm trying to work out. Did they blow this game or were Italy just that little bit more? They were better.
1: A bit from column A, a little bit from column B, and maybe something else from column C as well. Like, yeah, a couple of minutes. I mean, their response is good. Yeah. You know, I mean, they have a free, there's a free header. I mean, Christ. I mean, Italy have gone one up, and the next thing, there's a free header in the middle of the box from a free kick for Bertoni. Zoff makes a good save, but, I mean, Bertoni, and, and he should have scored. Should have scored. Um, Passarella has a, has, has a header. Great save. That is a great save by Dino yeah, Zoff. it is. A really, really great save. Um, but what struck me was, a couple of things struck me about Italy, or sorry, about Argentina, I should say, and that Bertoni header actually just just twigged it there at me again. The players that we have watched in the first phase that were really impressive were guys like Bertoni, right? He's not impressive in this game. He's not in the game. Kempes when they switch Kempes and Maradona, when they clear the when they clear the hall for Maradona against Hungary and just let him off and pull Kempes back and start playing allowing him to play passes, Argentina are a much different proposition. But he doesn't quite get there to in in this game, right? There's a lot of players on Ardiles has a very good game. Tarantini has a very good game, like Matt said. But there's a lot of players that aren't playing up to the level. And the other thing I would say about about Maradona, and I know we'll get into Gentile properly in a, in a, in a bit, but and we said it in the Hungarian game, when Maradona is at the top of his game, you can't foul him because you're not getting to him. I don't think he's at the absolute number one top of his game here. He has one chance, a terrific free kick that bounces off the post, which is from a foul from Gentile, by the way. And I wondered, I was thinking, if that ball had gone into the net, and it happens, again, this is in that's in that phase, you're talking about, Rob. If that mm. ball goes into the net, does Gentile not change tack, but does it shake him a mm. bit? Does it shake Italy? That they've tried everything and Maradona still scored a worldie and they're still here? I wonder, I wonder. But you're right, that is the key it's, the, it's actually the key for both teams in that World Cup. Well, maybe not to Italy because we know what comes next, but certainly for Argentina, you're dead right.
4: Yeah, actually, that's a really interesting point about whether Maradona was fully fit for it because it did strike me that he didn't get away from Gentile and not just because literally his jersey was been tugged but other times when it wasn't, but that Gentile and other Italians were actually happy to take him down even if it was just outside the penalty area, because they felt they would be able to defend the free kicks, it seemed. They just didn't want to allow him into the area to take a shot on or whatever. And that was one thing that struck me about it was not being afraid to foul because then they had the chance to reorganize and defend the free kicks.
2: Your is having a problem. Yeah, I mean, we know he had a hamstring issue in the first place coming into the tournament so and we also we've spoken before about how difficult he e- a year he'd had and that he was tired at times coming back to the ledger mick if you look at the italian ledger column a is is attack column b is caternacho. there's a reason that certain argentinians underperform it's because that part of italy's game is the ledger's coming up well they're they're making sure that they dominate those players yeah i felt at times with diego in order to get away from the brutality, he brought himself into places that we don't normally see him. Like you can see him actually playing wider at times and trying to cut across on the end line. And that seems to be in an effort to avoid getting hacked again.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't disagree with I wouldn't disagree with that either. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not saying that Argentina played bad, therefore Italy won. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that there are there are mitigating circumstances. I just wonder what would have happened if Kempes was pinging passes. You know, what if Maradona was getting away? I often thought, was it it you Billy Joe? Someone said it when we were doing Northern Ireland Spain, they were saying about uh, Billy Hamilton giving the fullback a very wide berth because he knew if he didn't give him a wide berth he was going to get kicked into the stand. Like, there was moments when Maradona, I know it's all about the ball being close to him and all that, but there was moments when maybe he could have Jesus, who am I to be telling Maradona what to do with the ball? <laughs> <laughs> I'm stopping that thought myself. Now, carry, carry on. <laughs> I'll
0: tell you what's wrong with Maradona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: I'll tell you what's wrong with him. No. You're,
0: you're,
4: you're, you're going to go all Dunphy here though, and say, not a
1: great player, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> I'm, stopping, I'm stopping here and stopping. I know, I know my limit. The,
3: the only thing, look, that sort of violence and, and at the same time, we, we're, maybe I'm over egging it, but like, They were the the Italian defenders, whether you take them as a unit or whether you take them individually, when you compare them against what we've seen to date in this tournament, you know, they probably are the best unit and they probably have the best individuals. And Maradona, I remember at one stage in the first half, he he flicks the ball around the corner and beats, gets past Gentile and like Sharia is on him in a flash and just. Tumbles them, upside down. About thirty yards out from goal, and yeah. uh, yeah. so then, and you're right. That he gets a bit of space out wide in the left wing in the second half, and he absolutely butchers a couple of crosses. And you're there thinking, that's not Diego, you know, that's that's not him normally because he has such quality, particularly if he, if he has time.
2: Just one thing, and and we'll obviously excuse Matt because he hasn't been getting these details as as minutely as we have. But when I mentioned the name Nicola Rainier. Any bells ringing there, lads? Well, is he not the referee? Was the referee. First, well, game? first referee of the tournament to get a second game. Oh, God. Oh, uh, really? And if I say that he was the referee for the USSR versus Scotland, you'll oh, wonder yeah. how he managed to do so. Oh,
0: Yeah. I I love his I love his going over at half time to move some kids behind the hoardings. I love that. This is why I love this World Cup. It's like, oh T V cameras, the world is watching. Italy are you, Hang on now, hang on. These kids need to move behind the advertising hoardings and I'm not starting this game. Love it.
2: I think I think he's going around Romania painting keep off the grass signs. Ah, stop. Booking Rossi. When he booked Rossi
0: for, you know, complaining about what might have been the worst tackle of the entire World Cup and hadn't even given it free. Ah, stop.
1: He said he stalled out in a big way by booking Rossi. I mean, he booked Rossi for, as you say, complaining about one of the worst tackles you've ever seen. And then he books Maradona for complaining about getting, you know, just, as you say brutalised. Um, now, in fairness, it's obviously put something in his head because Gentile gets his yellow car a little bit later just very shortly after. But, yeah, I mean, there's five yellow cards in the first half, and two of them are for (laughs) dissent. Dissent, like, there are people getting assaulted. Guards are standing at the tunnel going, "Uh, I'll arrest uh, Gentile if you take uh, Kempis.
2: I'm not going near Tarantini. It goes farther. There are prosecutors waiting to deal with these incidents.
3: (laughs) It's nuts. But I I I know I mentioned earlier on that it's the group of death, and maybe we're talking about it from from the violence oh, the that was a, <laughs> a, a, <laughs> associated with it. But like I I think that is a factor in 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 this situation because the, the game. Okay, this is the first game. You go behind in this game, you're automatically at, in a really weak position, and I think that plays into you know Argentina don't deal with that very very well at all, uh, and I know it'll play out. As it goes on because there's difference in rest the heat and and when the games are played because brazil will then play their two games back to back closer whereas italy have the perfect scenario they play first and they win and and they get it they get to, to rest up and see what happens in the, in the next game between argentina and brazil but i definitely think in this game it has a mental effect on argentina because they would have known how important it would be in all these big games it's important to to, to score the first goal. But in this sort of mini-group situation, it's even magnified even further.
4: Yeah, at that point, I remember at the time, everybody was talking about, how can this World Cup go into it that these three teams end up in a group together that only one comes out of? And it was just, what I mean, We've I don't know how many bizarre formats we've had in the World Cup over the years, but this was a particularly bad one, lumping these three teams in together, and then only one of them coming out into the
2: semi-finals. It, it gets worse. Because they've moved everybody to Barcelona and Madrid. Now, the oh, yeah. biggest, am I correct? The biggest stadium in Europe is in Barcelona. Have I got that right?
4: Yeah, and, and they're not playing in How
2: is this entire group, which is going to give us Argentina, Italy, Brazil, Italy, Brazil, Argentina, being played in the home of Espanol, <laughs> <laughs> and we've already watched Poland,
0: Belgium in front of I think it was around twenty thousand people in an eighty thousand stadium. So like
1: it was, it's it's ridiculous. Well, the, really, the post, I mean, the reason why I think we I think we mentioned the last episode of My Memory Service. The reason that Argentina, Italy, and Brazil get lumped in is because Poland finished top of Italy's group, yeah. and because um, what was the other one? Argentina finished second, Belgium finished top. So it could have been very, very different. But you know, this is the group. This is the group of GBH. Uh and it's it's unfortunate. It is unfortunate, you know.
0: Mick Claudio Gentile, the legend, the myth. Let's let's talk about him a little bit more before please, we finish his game. Please, my god, please. he announces himself here.
1: I I'm just that just a tad too young to remember Gentile and his pomp, but I don't care. He's still my favourite Italian assassin defender of all time. Just the look of him is enough. More than enough. I would have. I would have given him free rein if I just. Fourth pick in the head. yard. horse pick. Yeah, come over here to me, Claudia. If you could make the team of the day for his nonsense, he's I think he might. He's no absolutely not going to it in my view. I, I, why are you going to tell him he's not in it? I'll let you. <laughs> call, Rob. We ring them all that and tell them he made, made, made the team of the day. Zico was delighted a few weeks give ago. Give me another twenty years um,
0: and tell them then. When oh,
1: he's what you this. call it, um, Gentile? A couple of things, right? That I just want to mention about Gentile. Um, there's this and it's not it's not a myth to say that he kicked Maradona around the place, but I mean Minotti after the game said he must have fouled him at least twenty times and all he received was a caution. Clearly he didn't foul him twenty times. If you put the numbers on him, he fouled, he he made seven fouls, and six of them were on Mar- were on Maradona. Are, are you including not-
2: the slide dig in the side of the head?
1: I'm I'm only including the stuff that was blown. I mean there is there is uh you know that six minute Footage. I think it's on YouTube somewhere of of Gentile on Maradona, and it's just a ballet of violence. Like it's just it's just constant pirouetting, belting. Uh, you know, fantastic stuff. Uh, brutally bad, good. You know, you know what I mean. But like this idea that Gentile. So Gentile was also at the '78 World Cup. You might be interested in this, right? He was at the '78 World Cup where he also had a bit of a reputation as being a bit of a killer. He was only the eighth most. How do I put it? He was he was the eighth. Most what, what way am I trying to put it? Sorry, to the eighth
2: most indisciplined player is that? Are yeah, those the words you're right. looking for? Basically, <laughs> yeah. Most so, fouling.
1: <laughs> so yeah. So at the 78 World Cup, he committed 18 fouls at the 1978 World Cup, which put him eighth on the list. Right. Wow. Now he will go on in this tournament to commit 24 fouls, which give which will give him the Mick McCarthy Award of the, the most foulingest player <laughs> is that a
2: word uh, in this tournament I'm sure and that's the words in America he's the foulingest player in America player. Sorry.
4: Um, um, what happened to Dirty dirt.
2: just call of the dirtiest flare. Well,
4: <laughs> we're, we're trying to place yeah. ourselves
0: in the time map we're struggling like because I'm reading these articles in the time match and like absolutely outraged by the standards of this game so we sometimes are a little bit too soft on it uh, what are your thoughts Do you watch him again is he everything you thought he was is he worse
4: mm-hmm. do you know what he wasn't as bad as I thought he was. <laughs> <laughs> you,
1: expect, you expect complete all out raw violence. Mate. Yeah, you do. I came across the story. Uh, Gentile tells the story of how it came about that he marked Maradon.
2: Uh,
1: it, it said, wasn't that
2: he and and Tardelli just drew lots before <laughs> well,
1: Maybe it did in the end, but this is this was the this is the official version. He uh he says he wasn't sure. Okay, so Beerzat was wasn't sure who should who you should pick to mark Maradona. So now, this is these are quotes from Gentile. I was to mark a striker, not a midfielder. I was watching TV one night when Bearzot came to my room and said, What would you say about marking Maradona? That wouldn't be a problem. I replied, Actually, I should say it, they're kind of a more, you know, nappy, wouldn't be
2: a I'm gonna put in the music from The Godfather under this. <laughs> as you <say. laughs> that wouldn't
4: be a problem.
1: That's yeah. no problem. So,
2: Bearzot's be- played by Brando. <laughs> and um, Gentile is played by Pacino. Uh, well, no, Beers is played by whoever played
1: Luca Brazzi, I would say. Um, but what you call it, but it's in fairness to Gentile. When you read interviews with Gentile, you know, he seems to be quite well. He, comes, he puts himself out there as a kind of a soft natured sort of person off the field. He said that wouldn't be a problem. I replied, being a bit boastful. As soon as Beers had heard that, he turned around and left the room before I had time to say, No, coach, I'm just kidding. There was no going back at that point. So I grabbed some videotapes and watched them for two days and studied Maradona to try and study his potential and how I could limit him. I couldn't possibly stop him. Fortunately, the match went very well. He's delighted with himself anyway.
2: I, I would say there has to be, like, how did the fact that this barbarian was named Gentile not end up in an Alanis Morissette song? Yeah, if
1: you had any idea at all, if you had any idea at all, would you like to hear some quotes from people who um spent some time with Gentile? Right, go for it on the field, preferably, but go for it either way. Yeah, <laughs> like we, we don't want to know what
2: <laughs> we don't need it, we don't need any amorous details. Oh, Jesus Christ, we've had God all that knows. in the previous ep- Italy episode. Well, know,
1: I'd say, I'd say, in with two feet every time. Um, Charlie Nicholas, oh no, sorry, we started again. Gentile Well, Gentile himself once said, "You have to be gritty and determined at certain times. You need to know how to foul." Uh, Peter Barnes was an old England international. They played. Um, they played England in. In I think was it the Euro? Was it was it the a World Cup? Maybe the seventy eight World Cup qualifiers. Maybe, but uh, Peter Barnes yeah. remembered that he used to spit in your face and call you an English pig. Uh, a former Scottish international, Gordon Smith, who will become very famous the following year for making an absolute bags of a chance to win the cup for Brighton. Uh, he said, if he knocks you down, he always used to present it to the referee that he was trying to help you up, whereas what he was really doing was digging his nails into you as well. Uh, Steve Koppel. Okay, back to that game again that they played. One of one of these World Cup qualifiers they played or a European Championship qualifier. I put a cross in and we both slid and he put his hand on me testicles. And I would say that it was a playful squeeze, but it was a little bit more uh, tighter than that. And it did make me yelp for a bit. <laughs> poor, old, poor old Steve. Uh, Gentile. I would say that my character was not one to intimidate, but one to show that I am boss on the field. And I just need the last word to Charlie Nicholas. I think I mentioned this a few episodes ago that Charlie Nicholas, a long, long time ago and shoot named Gentile as his most feared opponent. Poor Charlie. I just, the idea of poor Charlie getting knocked around by Gentile upsets me just Charlie, like he wouldn't be able for that at all. But he said, uh, he said Gentile was a brute of a man, barrel-chested and a muscle man. He was quick over 10 yards, which was a burden for me, I'd say so, all right. And absolutely ruthless in how he abused you. If the ball was not anywhere near you, he would slap you in the back of the head and trip you up. These are all daft things that he would do, almost as if he was playing this game with you. Uh, No, Terry Nicholas only played against Gentile once and Celtic beat Juventus uh, in a a European game. But no, he was benched for the second leg because... I'd say, I'd say he just wasn't able. But <laughs> now he's probably watching Maradona in 82. He said, I was watching as a fan and looking at Maradona. I understood how he felt and how it felt to be taken apart by someone who did not care about you or your ability. There was a job to be done, and he was brutal at it. All the top strikers who played at that time would say the same thing.
2: So there you are. Jack and Charlie's having meals on. You know, I I do I, I, I can relate to Maradona. I yes. really can yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: We're we're bound together through time now by gentile. <laughs>
0: We got to move it on, but before we do, I just want to check any other bits and bobs, Billy Joe. I don't know what happened in that free kick. You going first? Do you have. We haven't first? done the second goal yet. Rob. Rob.
1: Second goal. Or
0: are we right? Where are you <laughs> off
3: to? Well, well, well I, I, will do the, the 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 Argentina goal. I'll do the Argentina goal because it's 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 the stereotypical passerella free kick where he just he'd a he'd a warm up penalty last week. So he does this exact he does this exact same thing just from a bit further out where he just literally smacks it as hard as he can, and uh, it's I, it's beautiful. I I, I like. The other thing I was just going to say is that I don't think we'll ever see a more suave set of individuals on the sideline together in a match with Berzot and Minotti. So, um, you know, I think that is to be celebrated.
4: They had style. They really had style. I mean, like, I can, even in black and white television, you could tell that they had style.
2: <laughs> I just don't get it, guys. The Colombo Max and that heat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and every single football dugout in those days was built so far into the ground, they were like bunkers from the World War. I mean, you just, how could they watch a football game and know what was going on? They were looking at shoelaces. They do not get this. But, anyway, yeah, they were down in the bunkers. Oh, Lord. Uh, that second goal, does it like, does there intend to add? It was kind of a counterattack. I, of a I actually,
2: I want to see Billy do the second goal because there's a, there's usually when he's doing these, just to put the picture in the audience's head, there are doors about 10 meters behind him. I'm certain that at some point we'll hear him talking from that part of the
3: room.
0: Yeah, our sales manager wants to take the wheels off his chair, so we might actually hear what he's saying. That's
3: what he wants. to go first. Go first. You no, know, I, I, I didn't. I didn't get as excited about that second goal, maybe as I, as I did about the first. I was at the first, but look, I, I, I think the key thing for that, and maybe I was mentioning early on, is that Rossi makes a bit of a pig's ear of it. Like it's an opportunity. He's a striker struggling for confidence, coming back after the scandal. He's really rusty, and you know, Phil. All, Makes it makes it safer, and Cabrini's there. But I suppose when you look at it from the point of view of Cabrini, he's rampaging all the way up all day, and he hits it first time, and it finds its way to the corner of the net, and it's the key goal because it really, it really, it sickens the, the Argentinians after that, and you don't ever feel at any stage that they're they're going to come back into it.
0: I think Phil, all in the goal, make, makes a hash of it, really, because like he's there in no man's land. He needs to get back in goal. Like he's, he doesn't know what he's doing.
3: Well,
1: he had done well. He done well with the Rossi, with the Rossi. I mean, he right. It is butchered. It's, it, I mean, Rossi should have done better. He makes the save, but then it all gets a bit messy. All right, and eventually comes back to Cabrini, who fairly smashes it again. Another moment of like uh, you know,
2: just relief. Two 0 We can start to relax. You know, I think Phil, just stop. I've got seven on my back. I'll play outfield. <laughs> that's
0: that's like, all I was thinking was the seven. That's all I could see. He's like, will they've
2: ended there. <laughs> let, let's, let's, let's not sugarcoat this. We talked about the 10-minute spell where Argentina showed something. Italy were total value for this win. Um, and we can see what's developing now. We talked in the previous day about the importance of winning that first game, that it gives you the freedom, potentially just to get a draw on the second, and you've booked your spot in the semi finals. Italy are coming right at the right time, and they've finally gotten a win in this World Cup after three draws.
1: Would you like to hear how Beerzot was kind of ranking the contenders at this point? And Go on. Or well, Ireland, obviously, top of his no, list. Well, yeah. Well, so what, what I do is this, is this is classic manager speak. Keep in mind there's a media ban on, he's the only one talking himself and Zoff. I'll translate this as we go along, right? So he says, Brazil are the only team with 16 stars and no weaknesses. They are by far the best, and they will win the Cup just as easy as they had in 1958. Translation, we're going to beat them. Can't. Yeah. Can't. I had considered West Germany as the other finalists, but seeing the Germans and England teams, I feel England will make it. I fear England more than West Germany, so I'm going to rile the Germans up if I can, and also, this has a double effect of fluffing up the English feathers, which will make them completely cocky, and we will stroll to this World Cup. Shoot. Because keep in mind, keep in mind, Beerzat also said in the first phase, he did not expect Italy to go well in the first phase; that they would improve during the tournament. And the other thing to keep in mind, lads, is in 1982, on this day when they were when when the pundits were talking about who's who's going where. Brazil are assumed to be in the final, but the World Cup semi-final de facto is seen as West Germany and England right now. France are not in the conversation. Poland, Belgium, USSR, not in the conversation. All the rest, it's, got, it's England and West Germany. Spain are not doing it. So this the next game against England and West Germany is seen as a de facto World Cup semi-final, and the winners will play Brazil. That's where it's at. West Germany, nil,
0: England. No. but this was not a great game mick you actually we're back to you for a second because you you watched this in detail i i tried to watch it in detail but it was hard it was a hard (laughs) one i gave up all right i come like i'm trying there's been a lot of games stay 15
1: (laughs) it was hard 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 going and more hard going because you expected i expected more from anyway you know, I mean, again, keep in mind we're coming. I mean, I'm certainly coming into this not having watched any of these games bar one or two ever, ever before. So I'm thinking, well, England have been, you know, they've Brazil have the best record in the tournament after the first phase. England are next up, and the West Germans are looking like a rabble, to be honest. I mean, they've they did really, really well against Chile. I Algeria, thought. yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, Algeria, there's so much. They look like a rabble and there's so much going on, right? So, Jürgen Derval, the manager, has stopped everything and absolutely given them the mother of all dressing downs before they leave Seville. Why? Because if you recall, after the ostrich scandal, some fans went to their hotel and the German players pelted them with water balloons. This is their own fans, it should be stressed. Yeah. German fans sickened by the way they had yeah. played in a 1-0 victory.
0: To, Hilariously. They went to
1: protest and the German players pelted them with water balloons. Derval gets them into a room and absolutely just just strips the fucking wallpaper with what he says to them about their behavior. And, uh, and he repeats the warning in Madrid. If lads, you want to rewind back, do you remember a long time ago, we spoke about the Lake of liquor Schlucksee, their, uh, their training camp. I wouldn't even say. I, I, I sense, I sense, sense other, another, I,
2: I sense another reading from the book of Schumacher is coming. Uh, actually, no, he doesn't
1: say a word about the England game, but I can pick a random page if you want. Um, I I think we'll do that at the end. Yeah. Random page from the book of Schumacher. (laughs) But the the joke from their hedonistic training camp, there was a fashion show at the training camp. Uh, (laughs) Jesus, there was a fashion show at the training camp. And the joke was that the models followed them all the way to Madrid. They were on a tight leash in terms of you need to start behaving yourselves. Um, So I I was kind of like England are firm favorites to win this game. So I was expecting a lot from England and they singularly, not for the first time in the World Cup history, failed hopelessly to deliver.
4: Okay, there's a couple of things in this because I remember this game reasonably well. And I remember the England team, and it happens in a number of World Cups, but if you look at the bench, England seemed to have had a lot of players on the bench who you might have thought should have been starting to give them a better mm-hmm. chance. Now, there yeah. were injury concerns. I think Brooke, uh, Trevor Brooking and Kevin Keegan weren't fully fit. And that was the reason why that they weren't in the team and they would have been in the team and they would have made it stronger. But Ron Greenwood didn't trust Glenn Hoddle. And that's why Hoddle wasn't in the side.
2: At all. And and in the previous game he did make an appearance because they were resting Brian Robson. Yeah. And he had a minimal impact.
4: And then and then the other one that was interesting because Paul Mariner was a good solid center forward for England over the years. But you could argue that Peter Witz was the man in form. He had been mm-hmm. scoring for Villa; they'd won the European Cup, and that he was again a sort of an agricultural style centre forward. But you actually needed that against Germany because the one thing about that German team, although it's interesting to look at some of the subs, Horst Rubeisch was that big centre forward who got the couple of goals to win the European Championship a couple of years earlier. of Matthias, it must have been a kid at that stage on the subs bench. Felix Magath was a before he became a manager later in England, really stylish player. But the one thing about that. German team in that sort of Germanic way maybe a throwback to the Second World War they were like stormtroopers these were yeah. the freaking hard men that went through everything
1: they made changes so from the group stages Horst played in the group stages and scored a goal somehow the goal he scored against Austria he managed to score by simultaneously hitting the ball with his knee and his nose I don't know how he did it <laughs> but he did it Um they bizarrely, I couldn't understand this, but they dropped Pierre Leparski, who was a right winger. And f- I'm going, God, and he was,
2: there was one day, He was player Okay, very I, I'm going to read between the lines here and say that he was the mature adult who supplied the water balloons in their yeah. hotel. <laughs> it's possible. Um, but yeah, So anyway, they also
1: dropped Felix Magat, actually. Um so there was three players gone. Hansi Muller, who was very highly rated at the time, was coming off an injury, came back into the team and they put in Rinders, came in. Um, Rummenigge is still injured. Uh, actually, funny enough, at this point, I might just divert because they had Bobby, as he's talked about on before, they had Bobby Robson in their in their backroom staff, England, at this point. And Bobby Robson was dispatched to uh, report back on West Germany. This comes back to my point at the top. I'm wondering, is anybody watching the World Cup apart from people actually at home on television, right? So he was sent to watch West Germany. And this, and he came back with his report, right? Ron Greenwood in the press is saying, oh, or Bobby is coming back with his report this morning. This is the day before the game, whatever. So he would have come back two days before. So he came back, and said, Felix McGat's playing very well. Litbarski, very dangerous. <laughs> Rubenegg is not fit. Well, duh. And the best period, would you like, for, for those of us who've been unfortunate enough to have to watch all of them, the best period of the play he saw from the Germans, Where which, which one did you think he picked? I He kind of picked Austria,
0: so it had to be like a Chile where they were... No, I, I it. It's, it's the first 10 minutes the first of the
2: Austrian, Austrian game, isn't it? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> first
1: half so, hour of the Austrian game. He says, oh, tremendous. They're terrific. And then the game, and then he kind of, in a kind of a very, mystique, kind of, really, I don't understand what happened. The game just kind of dissolved. But yeah, the first half hour of the Austrian game, he thought Germany were just tremendous. And also he confirmed he'd been offered the England job and he was thinking it over. But like, that, I just couldn't get over it. That's the worst. That's the worst one I've ever come across. Like, okay, that was tra- absolutely no use to them whatsoever.
4: Well, can I throw something else here, completely left field? Uli Stilicke may have had the most impressive moustache in that World Cup. No question.
1: Well, Gentile, perhaps a word for Gentile's mustache, but that's the only mustache. There's another one like, the I are, right? He had He had
4: a walrus look about him.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm just wondering how much Bobby's uh, scouting report influenced Ray Wilkins' My World Cup diary and shoot. Oh, really? <laughs> go on. What have we got? June, June 28th, Ron Greenwood announced the team to play West Germany this morning, and a few people were surprised that it was the one that beat France. <laughs> Successful World Cup sides are traditionally ones who have a settled team. Brazil have made hardly any changes so far in the competition. Like, they're starting to compare themselves to yeah, Brazil. Yeah. The wheels are turning now. It helps... The players to know that after one indifferent performance the axe won't be looming even so we're all very aware that kevin keegan who's had his trip to see his doctor in hamburg i'm sure i'm sure a german doctor was motivated to get him back on the field (laughs) against west germany and trevor brooking are almost 100 percent fit again their availability or availability will act as a spur to the others i sensed tension in some of the younger players today Kenny Sansom wasn't his usual chirpy self. He seems to have gone into his shell, so I had a few words with him to try and relieve the tension. I had a bet gone wrong. I, <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that I wasn't going to say it.
0: Uh, <laughs> it's 40 years ago. We're fine. We've been through this. Now, Statute of limitations.
2: This next line is significant because we know that Big Joe Corrigan's gone home. Ray Clements has a back strain, but it isn't serious. Um, uh, He told me it was a combination of the long coach journey and a soft bed. So Ray Clements has been undone by the bus and his hotel bed. (laughs) Last night, he slept with a board under his bed with a heated blanket. I have to say... (laughs) He'll be okay to sit on the bench. I'm sure he will if he's getting used to hardwood. <laughs> what the hell is going on? If, <laughs> if, if the worst comes to the worst, there's always Glenn Hoddle. When Clem was injured at Old Trafford, Glenn pulled on the keeper's jersey and went on to keep a clean sheet. <laughs> now, I would venture that might be Glenn Huddle's only chance of getting a <laughs> game at this I mean, is there nothing
1: Is there nothing Glenn Hoddle can't do? You know, creative midfielder, goalkeeper,
2: singer, masked dancer. Is there nothing he can't do that lad? Tomorrow is the biggest challenge of my career. I can't wait to get out there. I imagine the surface at the Bernabeu Stadium is like a snooker table. Roll on Tuesday night. Let me
0: jump in and say, just on Kevin Keegan, who should have been playing at this stage, I, I, I listened to his audiobook just to hear exactly how did that all go down, this whole trip to Doctor? The way it went down was Vernon Edwards is the English Doctor. He was offended at the notion that Kevin Keegan wanted to go and see this Dr. Weirwinkle, uh, his, uh, his That's doctor. That's not his real name.
2: That is his real name. Did you just make that up? I that sounds like something from Wacky like Races. races. That is it. It's, it's that Weirwinkle is it? and Rocky. And his, his, his like speciality was really slipped
0: vertebrae, and this guy knew it, but no one else did. Anyways, off can go. So the lads tell him, all right, so you won't let down the English medical team. You need to, to do this under disguise in the dead of night. He borrows a car from the hotel, from the hotel receptionist. Uh, Matt, you, like, you may remember this car since you, were, uh, since you were 15. I don't know if you had a car at that stage. A tiny at 500.
2: Right. So he he climbs into this. Drive Which six, is basically the Spanish version of an Italian car. Exactly. He That's drives, the Fiat 500 as redesigned by Seat. That will sort your back out.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Five hours.
2: <laughs> <yards>, a five-hour <laughs> car journey
0: to Madrid airport. He flies. He goes straight to the doctor, puts the backpack in place. everything sorted. Overnight at a friend's. Comes back. Drives another five hours back to the hotel room. And he's ready to play. is oh, genius. And then he doesn't get picked, even though he's fit.
2: Would you like to hear his diary entry for the day of the game? Oh, Lord. Dear Kitty. Oh, sorry. fix <laughs> We watched most of the Italy-Argentina game in our hotel before leaving for the stadium. Okay, that's a scouting report in the making. We watched the rest on the coach. Poor Clemens must have been in agony for that one. Sore But the picture quality was so poor, it was hopeless. West Germany's team selection surprised me, especially the absence of Litbarski. They were definitely worried about us and put out a team to get a result. If anyone was going to win, it, it was us. I know Rummenigge hit the crossbar with a few minutes remaining, but he may as well have hit the corner flag. I was right behind the flight of the ball and thought, oh, no, not now, as it flew towards Peter Shilton. (laughs) (laughs) I think anybody who saw a ball flying towards Peter Shilton back then went, oh, oh, no. Oh, no. (laughs) Peter told me afterwards that he didn't know where the ball was going. (laughs) (laughs) But it it wasn't going in his goal. Nice one, Shiltz. The Germans have a habit of scoring late goals. I said to the boys at halftime, if it's nil-nil with a minute to go, let's make sure it finishes nil-nil. There's ambition for you. (laughs) We would probably have lost a game like this a year ago. Now there is a new resilience about England. I could see that some of the lads were tiring in the last 15 minutes and the last 10 seemed seemed like an eternity. I asked the ref how long there was to go at one stage and he said a minute. It was like half an hour. We gave a good account of ourselves and our chances of reaching the semi-finals are still good. I feel the Germans can beat Spain. Either way, we'll know exactly what we have to do when we play Spain next week.
0: It's, and is that the, was that the feeling at the time, where England looked upon as this kind of overconfident,
4: overcocky? Was it the same as it is today? Well, it has started the tournament well. I mean, that was the thing. Mm. They looked like they were playing well and they seemed to have overcome the absence of Keegan and Brooking, they seem to have a squad and some good players. But I suppose at the same time, you know, back then, and again, going back to the point I made earlier, all we had really was English language media. We didn't even have BBC in Cork, so we were just watching the RT coverage and all the rest of it. So, yeah, I mean, England were being talked up because they had a history, although, flick back, they hadn't been at the 78 and they hadn't been at the 74 tournaments and they now seem to have the players that we were all familiar with, who we expect them to do well. This mm. is
2: the first time they've qualified since 1962. Mm. They mm. were hosts in 66. They were champions in 70. 70. They didn't qualify 74, 78. So they're very confident about the fact that they're back.
4: I'm sorry, just a small point on that. Yes, there was very little television in football on television in the 70s, but I do remember RT showing the England-Polling game in 1973 the qualifying match where uh tomaszewski in the polish goal denied england uh, but at that stage we our, our team back in the 90s were showing england matches on a night if england could qualify for the world cup the,
3: the, uh, just get back to the game the the, women, him, the, the, you the want yeah. us to talk about <laughs> football what kind of podcast do you think this
0: is i got more on the day
3: 500 so no. <laughs> it's, it's the only reason i'm here uh, 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 the 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 opening ten minutes I thought were, were probably the best period of the game, but like it's 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 the the point as well I think is made that we were speaking earlier in this podcast about the qualities of Ardiles and midfield players that were progressive in their passing, and while you know the front six for England you know they all have qualities, in particular Brian Robson was you know fantastic player, but you don't see them. Putting three, four, five passes together—that sort of interplay—they go long. They're two forward. Mariner and Trevor Francis were, were very, were very wide. But it, I think it's, it is worth mentioning that there was a lot of talk about Rob, you know Rob's not being fully fit. He was still their best player. He was still the player. that was more likely to score. Can I ask? Was Ray Wilkins
4: at this stage still passing the ball forward? Because he sort of stopped at some stage in the early nineteen eighties. He kept passing sideways all the time, didn't he? I think he um, yeah
3: yeah he, he, he did he did take me by surprise at one stage where he tried a, a rake and forty yards ball forward to, to Mariner. I don't think it made his target. But England were trying to be very direct, and they he's away up, from the
2: microphone. He's getting excited <laughs> no, over a nil nil no,
3: draw between West Germany no, and England. I I, I I like seeing things uh, when and uh, I presume the coaches like the things that you know, repeat themselves. And if you remember Robson getting in the box for the goal against France, mm-hmm. where he's late arriving, and I'm sure i Man United fan, and I'm not one of those, as we all know, you know, we, we can remember that over and over again. He timed getting into the box perfectly. And that ball is played in. I think it's Mariner that flicks it on. And and Robson comes from nowhere, really. And he makes up about, you know, 10, 15 meters when the ball is in the air. He gets there. He has a clear idea about what he wants to do. And he tries to a loop in header over Schumacher. And Schumacher makes a brilliant save. And, you know, I suppose people that were underestimating his abilities, I think that showed, you know, great athleticism, that he was able to backpedal, get a tip on it and, 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 and knock, knock it away to safety. Similarly, you know, Ruminiger nearly scored in the early stages the typical Ruminiger goal where the ball is crossed in and he's lunging at the front post trying to get a contact on it and he just doesn't get there. I think, was it Mickey already mentioned that he had a shot off the crossbar? Like, that's it. Nothing else happens in the game. They're the kind of the, the three things. Like
1: I think the key thing or the, the key thing that happens here, it, it goes back to what Billy Joe was saying earlier. You can't lose the first game in this series. You just can't lose it, right? The Germans first start with those changes that they make. They take Litbarski out, which kills their creativity. He does come on in the game. But they put five men into midfield, I, w- I think mainly to try and stop Robson. But they still end up Reinders end up kicking Robson, Steel a Robson. Uh, Robson, by the way, is not fully fit. Ron Greenwood tells us the following day he was not fully fit for the game. So therefore he couldn't drive forward as you'd normally expect him. I thought he drove forward actually very impressively for most of the match. But like the other thing, that there, there was a great there was a great sense of confidence. Among the English, because their club teams had been, you know, Bayern Munich had lost to Liverpool and Villa, Ipswich had beaten Cologne twice, Forest had beaten Cologne. There was no question. This was actually Brian Robson's first game against a German team. He had never played Germany at international level before or at club level. Um, and he was slightly intimidated, apparently, in the lead up. So, McMills, who was captain, had a word with Robson about, you know, because Mills had had experience with Ipswich, as I say, of, of beating Cologne and seeing them up close. Uh, like, I mean, and Billy Joe is right. I mean, Keegan actually spoke in the press about Schumacher being a weak link. Um, Tony Woodcock, who was at Cologne at the time, spoke about um, G- Germany's weak link being their arrogance. You know that they they were they were incapable of learning from their mistakes. They were so because arrogant. Because
4: England never had an issue with arrogance.
2: Yes, I know it's the pot <laughs> in the kettle. You know. I was going to say these are all examples of candor, <laughs> but probably the. M- The greatest example of candor we discovered around this game was the following day, ITV dispatched our big reporter, Jack, to speak with Don Howe and Ron Greenwood at poolside. And I wish TV was made like this now.
4: Well, in fairness, you work in television, so why don't
2: well, you? Because you will not get, managers, wedding, you will not get <laughs> managers to show that degree of candor. I, I mean, Mick, give, give people a sense of this interview. Well, it's, it's a poolside interview for a start. So they're all wearing <laughs> shorts yeah, yeah, with white yeah. shirts
1: and polyester. It's all very uncomfortable. But Jack Charlton has been sent over. He's now a pundit for ITV. So you've got Ron Greenwood, as you say, and Don Howe, the assistant. And th- there's uproar in England over the nil all draw because they were so confident that they could win, but more so because they played so poorly. And the big issue is the lack of adventure. All right. Uh, so Ron Greenwood is on, he's, he's, he's in combative form. Like he's he says it's all right sat up there and them journalists talking about it the day after you know as well as I do talking to Jack you played league football and, and Jack is sort of going but you you know you didn't push up enough why didn't Robson go forward what was Mariner and Francis were too far apart from each other what's the problem and and uh, you you know you have this back and forth packet it gets very tactical and there's a lot of words not said so me reading back a transcript is kind of pointless really because you know you miss the nuances but at one point there is there is one point where they really go at each other uh don hall was jabbing the finger he said and mm. you know he's he's asking what did you say about us when we played France in the second half and he's no no I'll answer the question of course charton had been very complimentary about england he said and yeah what do you say then well done great talk at halftime adjusting great smashing so you give us all the plaudits. now we're using the same system and you're saying it's wrong you can't have it that way jack you cannot have it that way and he's jabbing the finger the game is a datum there's no one system that wins the game and like Ron Greenwood, is you can tell that Greenwood is disappointed at him. He says, uh, yeah, I tell you what, he says, Jack, you're becoming a good TV man. And he's laughing, but he's <laughs> looking at Howard. He's like, isn't he? Isn't he, eh? You're not a football manager anymore. You're working for TV. We're having a go at you now. I love that. And, it, you know, he's, it's getting, getting cranky, like, you know, and it's, it's kind of, it reminded me of Graham Taylor 20 years later and it reminds me a bit of, Ro, of, Brian, of Bobby Robson in a few years' time. It's just the, the, the screws are tightening on the England manager. Things have been going so well. And they're right, in a way they are still in the box seat because they don't play again now until the end. They're the last game, so they'll know exactly what they gotta do. But things aren't things aren't right. Things just don't feel right.
0: And yet, Biddy Joe, look at look at the results. Like I mean, I read the the same paper I read earlier, the mirror just eulogising where England are right now against a great team. They've held them scoreless, they're still in the tournament.
3: Yeah, i don't know how like i know this the whole it's an alien system in this kind of the three team group and i don't know how you can feel really sec- secure in your own position um because some of it's going to be taken out of your hands really like without winning that first game and i just i just don't know how you can come away from the game with any confidence because like where the goal is going to come, come come from but uh but but at the, at the same time, again, that it does that, uh, it's, it's maybe to Matt's point earlier, would you expect anything different from, from England when they get run away with themselves?
1: There was one line uh, in an article I found written by Conor very beloved of, of, of Irish journalists and, and, and readers of a, certain, of a certain vintage. He was sent out to the World Cup uh, for the second phase and he, he noticed, as, as was his wont, the game was so dull the game was so dull that at some point about in the first quarter, about somewhere in the first half, he noticed, and obviously had the time to count 15 sparrows that settled in Peter Shilton's general area, watching Shilton do stretches at the edge of his 18yard box, <laughs> and they eventually he said, "Got sense and flew away themselves. Uh, there, was, there wasn't a single thing to see.
0: Wow, that's beautiful! Right before we get into the team of the day, uh, Mash, you've been an absolute gent to spend your time with us. I hope you've enjoyed the rewatch because you probably thought, "Oh, I'm going to watch Italy Brazil, happy days." But we threw you into something a bit different.
4: No, no, and I'll tell you, there's other games that I can remember from this tournament. The one that I, the two that I really remember would be the semi final between France and West Germany, and yeah, yeah. the final. And it's funny because everyone. Whereas in a situation where they Italy were the bad boys who knocked out Brazil, but yet in the final, everybody was for Italy because you couldn't be shouting for West Germany after what happened against <laughs> France in the semi-final. So <laughs> France, and Italy, who we've been talking about for the violence today against Argentina ended up as being seen as the worthy champions.
2: Because they got to play the pantomime villains of this tournament in the exactly. final.
4: Exactly.
0: Well, you've brought a different perspective—the perspective of I actually like Italy. I don't care. <laughs> 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 did, did you? Here's the question: Did you cheer on Italy against Brazil? That's that's that could be
4: sacrilegious if you had to admit this Yes, I did. Wow! Wow! And can I tell you something else that's about this? Right? Okay. Yeah. I'll tell you a little ridiculous story to finish. Right? Around the time of the World Cup, our dog died. Okay, so we were going to get a new dog after the World Cup. And my father knew some guy from up in Blarney Street who had to get rid of a dog and the dog was donated to us and the dog was called Rossi right so we were so i had to train in this little who it turns (laughs) out the reason that we had him was because he'd bitten somebody and the guy didn't want to put him down and he ended up giving us the dog and then we realized christ we've got this horrible fecking dog on our hands who's snapping at us as well so the dog rossi lasted about a month before he was sent up back to blarney street and we got a much better dog as a replacement
2: yeah, are not. Rossi was involved in a Tottenieri scandal somewhere too.
3: they should have named him Gentile. Yes, <laughs> <just> like, <laughs> he came yeah, with the yeah, one job.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what Italian player? Most. <laughs> oh, brilliant! All right, great stuff, Matt. Thanks a million, much
2: appreciated. Team of the day. Team of the day. Dino's off on goals anyway. Well,
1: I, I just, I, I just a word for Tony Schumacher Billy Joe, you might back me on that. Yeah, one. I do,
3: I do. I think that um, I like a proactive goalkeeper, and we know he's willing oh, to he's come off his line. That guy. we know he's willing to come off his line, and um, I, it's hard, it's hard, to, it's hard to argue with. Zoff was pretty flawless now in the in the game in the game against Argentina. Now, and seeing that, uh, I think three of the four teams we watched today played with a sweeper. Uh, so a three-five-two formation. If you want to start with, with Zoff, just yeah. want
2: to make a case for Ray Clements. <laughs> <laughs> the, man,
3: the, man the man has been
2: like the most exerted goalkeeper by the bus, the bed, <laughs> the bench.
0: What happened to Zoff on that free kick, Billy Joe? Because I know you said Passarello's goal was amazing, but Zoff just like. Because he's, uh, he's almost he wasn't ready, was
3: he? The behind, yeah, the the, the the behind the goals camera kind of he. It looked like he was running over to the right hand of the yes. post again to check his wall alignment, and the referee yeah. let passerella smash it down the other side. And as he's kind of chasing across across yeah. the goal, so like in that situation, to, to be Two brutally touch. honest, I think I think okay, if he's if he was locating himself way over that side, he saves the shot. But yeah. I'm not sure he was going to locate himself all the way over there. I'm not sure he would have stopped it anyway.
0: I kind of got that from him. you. You kind of knew that, but you still told us class free kick. But I was like, "What happened there? Right? But we are we giving it to Zoff then, or are we giving it to Schumacher?
3: Oh, it's off. It's off. It's Zoff! It's Dino Zoff. Off. But what's 3-5-2. Uh, Billy <laughs> Three five two. Three, three five, five two. two. Yeah. So we're going to pick a sweeper, and I I think for me, like as as much and all as I like Daniel Passarella and his haircut, I I think Sherea was outstanding in yeah. this game to myself. Check so, check uh, check. Yeah. Take uh, Um. So then I suppose it's it's about picking picking a couple of markers um Gentile Claudio Gentile.
2: Claudio
3: <laughs> in he, goes. Yeah. He, he, go, he goes in there for all for all the, the the wrong reasons um Cabrini you got a goal yeah but it, yeah I, I think would we stick him in as a wing back Maybe but
1: I I would just make an argument for Tarantini I thought Tarantini was very good at I was on going, the left. Yeah, but I but Cabrini, if if it was a, if it was a fight between the two of them, you'd have to have Cabrini in there somewhere.
3: I think. Yeah, mm. I I suppose then just in terms of as, as Marcus was was regal kind of did he operate in that area most most of the game? Probably, well, he was more on the left, wasn't he? More on the left. Foster yeah. was clumsy. force. Yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm
2: not sure many people were operating in that game.
1: Yeah Could we Would there be an argument at all To put Passarella in there
3: Yeah I know you yeah. weren't a marker yeah. But I And hmm. I, I Think he did play Some Sometimes they did play With a back four That uh, Argentinian team Even though I think Yeah But uh, Yeah I'd pick him in He's, 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 he's Look he's, he's got a great haircut Yeah, yeah well, We put four defenders
0: me. there Three A sweeper And, and three Sherea so oh,
3: yeah, Sharia Gentile And Passarella Yeah Brilliant Midfield if you want to start with the wing back, like I, I'm happy to go with, I, with Tarantini or Cabrini. I, 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 I don't mind. The only thing I have to say on this is, an I, 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 I have to have Antonioni in there. It's my only, it's my only requirement. And right. when you consider when you consider that Tardelli was outstanding, and Ar- Ardiles was very good as well, and Robson was very good, yeah.
0: Interesting that you said that because people were
2: saying he wasn't fit, and you said
0: no. So he's good, right? we're
2: going three seven zero. Yeah, But <laughs> well, yeah.
0: well, well, Who's up front? We did this before. We went straight to the board. Who's, who stood out on the board?
1: Here's a, I, here's I still, still, go on, go on, Mick. Sorry. Well, here's an idea, right? So Antonio, you could you
3: could put Antonio on the right hand side. You could. I know it's or thick. or 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 you could play mm-hmm. him, which he really was. You could play him as a ten with one striker in the front two all right we could do that brilliant oh so are striking so then we
1: have so we would we, we could have ardiles robson tardelli and cabrini somewhere yeah mm.
3: you could put antonioni in behind in mm. behind at forward and like i still maintain that there would you know rossi was busy i think graziani was quiet um mm. yeah. diaz was okay for argentina in the open 20 minutes He'd a lovely flick up and, and volley, but that's all he really did. As you said, Mick Bertoni didn't do anything. Ruminigo yeah. was probably the still best forward on show. Ruminigo, I was. he, was. Make the point. he yeah, probably well. to but,
2: but, you know, even when Peter Shilton couldn't see the ball coming, he still didn't score. I
0: yeah, hit the crossbar from 40 meters. No, he's in
2: there. He's good. I,
0: so, what have imagine? we got? Do you got the team? Well, we have the team.
1: Yeah, we have Zoff and Goal. We have as sweeper. Gentile and Passarella. Then we have Ardiles, Robson, Tardelli, and Cabrini. Yeah, that's a decent midfield. Uh, Antonioni, and then Romanego up top on his own. We've that's, only
3: four. Mid, we've only four midfielders. We're down a
1: midfielder, are we? One, two, three, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Eight. No, we've. Oh, we are. You're right. We are. We've a slot. So you say Cabrini. Yeah, Cabrini's in. Got his goal. Gets his slot. Yeah, we've got a slot in midfield. Who are we going to put on the right-hand side, lads? Steve Coppel. Steve
3: Coppel. Steve
0: Coppel. Every time we can put him in a team of the, a team of the day, I think we should.
3: Yeah. Any objections? No. no, no he he, he no. was actually quite good for the first 20, was, 25 minutes <laughs>
1: <that
0: game>. <laughs> Jack Charlton <laughs> would be annoyed. But anyway. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, there we go.
0: The, 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 one weird thing. Just really quickly. Start Argentina-Italy, uh, first half. They kick it off, and then the referee gets them all to stop and stand still. And there's some sort of weird kind of like... Hanoi fire alert going on in the stadium. And it just reminded me of a 1960s TV show, you know, where he was on an island and there was all weirdness going on. It just all felt very weird. Did anyone else know that? Or is that so
2: just um that was actually the pre-World Cup fire drill being conducted. <laughs> I think you might be right. Everyone just stopped, froze. Yeah.
1: Weird.
0: And else, Booker Schumacher, page 142.
1: One, four, two. Okay, so I reckon this is my tears in case I'm just coming to this fresh. I have Tony Schumacher's autobiography and I maintain that you can pick any number page in this and you will find a line that will make you want to read on any page. So let's see what we got. So I'll say it again, loud and clear in black and white. Many young players are lazy shirkers and some of them are also culpably stupid. Olaf Ton is a prime example.
2: <laughs> the book well, of Schumacher. Can I okay. just say, was Olaf responsible for the heavy metal record label in a later life? <laughs> Have I got the right German?
1: Thomas Hassler, my friend. Oh, Hassler. Damn, I always <laughs> mix the two with them up.
2: <laughs> Schumacher never
1: lets me down, By never, never lets you down. That's it.
2: If, 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 if he said Lothar Matthäus there, i disown him. I'd never let you read again from the book of of Schumacher.
0: That would be it. <laughs> sorry end, really. Hmm, you, someone, somewhere is going to go. Rob, what's next in the uh, day day sixteen well, of this day, day sixteen? I was about to say, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Belgium playing so, Belgium against Soviet Union and Austria against Northern Ireland. I feel like this this could be a small drop off in what we had today, but who knows. I shouldn't say that I'll lose people although how are we going to lose people at this stage if you come 15 episodes they go you know what that's it I'm done I'm done I've had enough of this Austria, Northern Ireland I get the new podcast you're not you're sticking with us and thanks bye lads.
2: yeah adios
0: See yous. Cheers. Just before we go, a little request from us to you. If you're enjoying the shows, please follow, like and rate them. We'd love to see your comments and feedback. And if you'd like to support what we're doing, you can always buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com forward slash hispania82 where we've left a bonus episode for those who do. See you next time. and Thanks for listening.